0: Welcome to the JT The Brick Show.
1: You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Breakers.
0: On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick.
2: Out of the gate, JT with you as we get going with the NFL Draft two days away. Right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Hope everybody's doing well. Busy, busy week here. And we're counting on the Raider Nation as the Raiders are on the clock for the 17th pick in the first round. In what I believe has to be one of the more impactful picks. I say that every year. But now those two first round draft picks are gone from the Khalil Mack trade. And the Raiders have got to find a way. Got to find a way midway through that first round to come out with a player who is going to have an impact on this upcoming season and be a star in this organization. Welcome to the show brought to you by P.T.'s, best happy hour in town. They are ready. Just talked to my friends over at P.T.'s earlier today about what they have going. They said, J.T., get everybody in here for the draft. We got 64 locations, draft parties all over the place. Head on out to a P.T.'s for food, gaming, all the drink specials that they'll have for the first round throughout the whole day on Thursday and Friday as PTs will lead the way with the best happy hour in town before the draft begins, after the draft begins. It's going to be special. And remember, a year year from now, we're going to be hosting this in Vegas, and I'm hoping that we have a million people on the Strip, not 600,000 like Nashville, which everybody raves about. I'm talking a million people. They're on the strip and think about what Vegas will look like as Vegas will be opened up and we'll be ready to go. And hopefully that will be one of the greatest sporting events of our lifetime, the draft a year from now. All right, what do we want to do here? I talked to Bobby about this. What I, we're on the clock right now. I need your pick. Okay, I need your pick, today's show and tomorrow's show, before the draft kicks off on Thursday. So specifically, I want to know what the Raiders are going to do with their first two picks. But more specifically, their first pick, 17 overall. I thought we've done a wonderful job over the last month to six weeks setting this up with all the insiders that we put on radio trying to tell you what the Raiders would do. To the Raiders' credit, they are radio silent. And I've been with the Raiders. This will be my 23rd year. And there have been times where it's been easy to guess right what they're going to do. In the, in the draft, it was clear to see if the Raiders had the second pick. It was going to be Robert Gallery. The first pick was going to be Jamarcus Russell. What you thought it could be. I remember the Amari Cooper draft. A lot of people thought it would be Amari Cooper. I was one of them. They got Amari Cooper. He was a hell of a player early on. This one is a little bit more difficult because they picked 17th. So we know what the needs are. The needs for the Raiders are to get better on defense. That was the goal of the entire offseason. season. And then find a way to get better on the offensive line because there was a lot of turnover. And most of it unexpected this offseason with the loss of Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. Most of us believe that Trent Brown would be gone because Trent Brown mailed it in. And he didn't show up to work and he didn't want to be here. And he didn't, you know, he didn't have the passion to be a Raider. Trent Brown was no Lincoln Kennedy, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Jim Otto, John Vella. Dave Dalby, go down the list of all the legends, Pops Otto, whoever played for this organization. And you can go through a lot of great Raider offensive linemen over the years who aren't pro bowlers, who didn't have a Super Bowl ring like Trent Brown, and Trent Brown didn't want to be here. Now the Raiders have got to find out how they get a right tackle in the first two picks. If, if one of the right tackles drops to them, or the offensive lineman that they like at 17, because I don't think it's going to be Penny Sewell, out of Oregon, and I don't think it's going to be Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. I think both of those guys will be gone in the top 13 picks. But after that, it could be Christian Derrishaw of Virginia Tech, Tevin Jenkins seems to be a name I'm mostly seeing in a lot of drafts, mock drafts, or Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman out of USC. So if one of those guys drop and available at 17, do you take him? Or do the Raiders wait for Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State? who could be dropping to the Raiders. Now, I'm more encouraged about Parsons dropping to the Raiders than I have over the last month. I got the Yannick Ngakwe right, and I'm going to go out there not on a limb because I believe it. I think the Raiders are going to select Micah Parsons with that 17th pick if he's there. He might not be there. The Giants, I got six Mox drafts in front of me out of 13. Six of them have Micah Parsons going to the Giants at 11. So he could be long gone, not even close for the Raiders. So that's what I think the Raiders are going to do. And if the Raiders are able to find a way to get someone, one of the linebackers, Xavier Collins out of Tulsa, or one of the linebackers that can play sideline to sideline, I'm into that. I'm shocked that some people don't think that the Raiders need a linebacker. I'm shocked. You know, Some people think that the Raiders, will, every, I go through this every year. Every year people don't think the Raiders need a linebacker. They're like, well, we got pressing needs. Pressing needs. I'm like, well, linebacker's been a pressing need for 20 years in this organization why not go get one in the first round but everybody spins that there's more of a pressing need last year Henry Ruggs Uh, maybe this year right tackle maybe safety right everybody's talking about safety and you want to get a safety and I think the Raiders can get out of this draft with the safety maybe by trading up out of the second round or trading up out of the third round everything is in play here but what I want to do with you today and tomorrow and I really want to focus on this. I got open phone lines. We don't want to wait. I want to get going now with who's the pick. So when we're there talking about it on Thursday, we know who the pick is, and we can give credit to you and the Raider Nation. Bobby told me we got probably about a half a dozen Grimaldi $50 gift cards. Uh, for those locally, you got to be living here in Vegas if you're up north or somewhere else, I'll buy you a beer when I see you. You know, JT buys you beer when I see you, and there's a bunch of draft parties that are coming up. This weekend, the Black Hole is over at the Westgate. Uh, The Modelo Draft Party is over at the M Resort and Spa, so you can go over there to watch that. And if I see you and you get the pick right, even if you don't get the pick right, I'll probably buy you a beer anyway, as Modelo is a new proud partner of our show. So that's where we're going. Who's the pick at 17 and why? We know the need. I do my national show every night, and guys call me from – and it's much harder – it doesn't matter, but it's much harder doing a national show around the draft because I literally get calls from people in Detroit, and I get calls from people in Seattle saying, JT, who we taking? And i got to know what the need is of all these other teams, and I think I'm prepped up and ready to go with this. This is the strength of this show is the NFL draft and free agency. And one of my favorite shows coming up around the corner, which is a big one, is the schedule release party, May 12th, where we have a lot of fun and we book travel together and we figure out what road trips we're going to go on. So what do the Raiders do in the 2021 draft, 17th pick overall, and does Mike Mayock move up with John Gruden in the draft to get a player? I've encouraged that. I don't care about the second-round pick next year. Mike Mayock should. That's his equity. That's what he does. But John Gruden now wants to win, and it's go time with this organization, and they have to win. So if they end up moving up and they lose the second-round pick as they move up into the first round, and they swap out their 17th pick, maybe for a higher pick, and they got to give up a second-round pick or two seconds over the next couple of years, I'm fine with that. Because if they get the player that they want, that is great. And then I thought the Raiders did an outstanding job this offseason on defense. We continue to look at the depth that they've added on the defensive line and what they've been able to do, which I find very encouraging. They have so many bodies up front on the defensive line at the defensive tackle position. After bringing in Ngakwe and tightening up the secondary, I'm not in love with the secondary. I think there's a lot of guys who are going to compete to make the roster and make this team at the cornerback position as we wait for the development of Trayvon Mullen and clearly what they want to do on the edge with their other cornerback who I think has got to have a big offseason in Damon Arnett. You know, I'm not a big believer in Lawson. Isaiah Johnson made a big play. I'm not a Nixon guy. I'm waiting to see a Meek Robertson. I'm not a big Daryl Worley guy. Nothing wrong with him. You know, Rasul Douglas came in, and he at least has film, and he's played in this league. But these are a bunch of guys. They're not elite. The guys who need to be elite are Damon Arnett, taken in the first round, and no doubt about it, Trayvon Mullen, a national championship cornerback. Those two guys have to develop into the type of players that the Raiders had. I'm not saying Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying they got to be really good. They were drafted high to be pro bowlers. Now, I wasn't here yesterday for a medical issue here with my throat. I'm back today. Hopefully it sounds a little bit better. You did not want to hear me yesterday. My wife almost threw me out of the house yesterday. I was nuts. Feeling a little bit better today. As I jump in, I wanted to talk about the passing of Mike Davis, who passed away. When I started with the Raiders in 1998, there was a place in the Bay Area called Jim's Cards and Comics. Anybody remember that? It was up in the Bay Area. Jim had a card and comic shop, and he did a lot of Raider signings. And he was a big fan of the show, and he really was a big proponent for what I was doing. And I went out with Jim, and Jim said, I do a lot of these signings here, and I'd like you to come by and just MC it and be with the guys. And I'll pay you a little bit of money, and you could sit here and sit with the guys, and then we'll do a Q&A. And that was a big deal for me back in the day because no one knew me in the Bay Area except a couple of people listened to my night show. And that was important to me, that a guy believed in me. And he said, come on out to the store. And one of the first signings I ever remember was with Mike Davis. And I sat down with Mike Davis, and there was a line going out the building, out the building, and then down the block. I'm telling you, that'd be 150 people online. And Mike Davis was signing the red-right 88 interception picture. And he was such a gentleman. I just sat at this table with him as he signed. He took pictures with everybody. And it was one of the first times I ever got to see the power of the Raider Nation. You know, I've been in the black hole, and I got a chance to see people in the black hole on game day and tailgate. But this was different to me. This was being in a store and seeing Raider fans with their kids waiting in line. And this was well over 20 years ago. And it was different. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. Camera phones weren't what they were today. And Mike was able to step out and take pictures with everybody. And that play that he made against the Cleveland Browns is one of the greatest plays in NFL history for a defensive player, if you think about it. And what I love about that play, and we talked about it over the years, and I've always brought this up with Mike about San Diego. The Chargers were the favorite that year to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. If you remember, the Raiders had to go to Cleveland and win that game in the coldest, one of the coldest games. Some people say the coldest game of all time because of the wind chill. And then they had to go to San Diego and take on a Charger team that was better. And the Raiders were a wild card team. And what was so great about that interception from Mike off of Brian Sype was Cleveland could have won the Super Bowl. They were good enough. They had a Super Bowl team. The Raiders won the Super Bowl, and Cleveland outplayed them for a lot of that game. And then by Mike making that catch, he went to San Diego, where Cleveland would have went to San Diego. And if the Chargers would have won that game, then the Chargers could have won their first Super Bowl. And no, Mike made that interception, and then the Raiders went to San Diego, won in dominant fashion, and then won the Super Bowl. So my point is is that Mike Davis played a huge role in the Chargers and the Browns not winning the Super Bowl and the Raiders winning a Super Bowl. Not many people can say that on an individual play. So if you didn't get a chance yesterday in this time slot to reach out and pay tribute to him, I know how much he meant to Mark Davis. They were friends. He's always around the organization. Great human being. And he had problems hearing later in life, and you'd have to pull him in to to talk to him. And there were times where I was up with him in Napa when the Raiders would have that alumni weekend, and we'd go to the winery and do a big event there, and Mike was always there smiling, taking pictures, Mike's teammates loved him. I know that Mike loved his teammates. And Mike Davis was the quintessential legendary Raider. Humble, two-time Super Bowl champ, did his job, played with players, some that were better than him, but he fit in perfectly with the organization. Mike Davis, rest in peace. Really, one of the Raider players that had a big impact on my career. I would not be where I am today or have this platform or opportunity to be around the Raiders if it wasn't for guys like Mike Davis. Rest in peace, Mike, and go up there and I know he's up there now. Sign in and talking to people about Red Wright '88. Let's pay a tribute to him coming up here in a little bit. If you can, you want to give us a call on Mike. Uh, just do that 702-365-9200. Also coming up here, we're going to talk to Greg Townsend at the bottom of the hour. Uh, one of the great Raider defensive linemen of all time. Very, very underrated in NFL history. Any Raider fan that knows Greg Townsend and saw him play and knew that he had a double team on him almost every play of his entire career will appreciate his play. Greg Townsend will join us at the bottom of the hour. Then we'll go out to the Raiders facility, talk to Eddie Pascal, who's in the lab there, getting ready for the draft. And a little bit later on in the show, we have a draft insider who will come up here in a little bit and we'll talk to him Uh, Connor Rogers, who's very good, Uh, one of the other good draft guys that I wanted to mention on the show, who's going to come up and join us here at some point. Jeff Sherman will also check in from the Westgate, as the Westgate has that big black hole party coming up this week, and he has props for betting the draft, which I think is really fun. I want to begin also this hour by talking about the 49ers. Now, why would I do that? Well, the 49ers have the third pick, and there's a level of confusion around the 49ers, which is quite fascinating to me. Niners moved up for the number three pick, and now it seems like they're getting second thoughts on who they're going to draft. Are they going to draft Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, or reports are that that Trey Lance had his second workout with them and everybody was blown away by that? And I also heard that Justin Fields did such a great job that Kyle Shanahan was interested. So the Niners are in a very unique situation with the Raiders now. Because the Niners, they have a Super Bowl roster. They have a better roster than the Raiders do right now. But they think that a young quarterback could get them over the hump with that really good roster. I would disagree. I think Jimmy Garoppolo would give them a better chance to get back to the Super Bowl. So here's Kyle Shanahan. When asked about what was going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo coming up here and some of his thoughts, I thought this was one of the more bizarre sound bites I've heard from an NFL head coach.
3: I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us.
2: Yeah. When he said that, I said, okay, there's a problem there. He's uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable. He's sitting at a podium. Everybody's looking at him and he's like, he he doesn't know who's going to live. How morbid and crazy is that uh, going into that? That that to me just showed me that Shanahan, he's not funny. He's not a guy who's charming and he's giving you this roundabout answer on Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think they're still at a point where they don't know what they want to do. I don't know that to be 100% accurate, but there are a lot of NFL insiders around the league that believe the Niners are having second thoughts on why they traded up to number three. They did to get a specific quarterback. Fortunately for them, there's three that'll be taken after the first two, after Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are taken. So I still believe they're going to take Mac Jones, But I think the Niners are thinking about Trey Lance. And if they take Trey Lance, they can park Trey Lance and let Jimmy Garoppolo play another year. Shanahan talked about Jimmy Garoppolo's injuries over the last couple of years and why they got to make this move.
3: The biggest thing with Jimmy is his injuries. It's been very tough for us when he's been hurt. And, um, you know, it has happened two out of these three years. That's where it starts. And Jimmy knows that. I have been very upfront with him with everything. And, you know, we've been Zooming these last two weeks. I'm excited to get him in here coming up. Especially when this draft's over. But I feel very fortunate taking a rookie quarterback that we do have a guy like Jimmy. You know, we didn't sign a guy who's capable or has the history of being a starter right away. Well, we have a guy who every time he's been a starter, he's played at a high level. So to have that with Jimmy while adding a rookie quarterback gives us a lot of leeway into this. I'm not going to set anything in stone, but I know that's a situation that it would be hard to to get rid of. I mean, when you take a rookie quarterback and you have a veteran like Jimmy who we know we can win with, um, just to move on from that is something that it's not easy to do. That, that is a good situation for us, and I think that's something that will be important to us this year.
2: All right, let's go back to the Raiders where Mike Mayock spoke last Thursday and spoke for a while about what the Raiders would do with the 17th pick, where they stand in the first round of the draft, here's Mike Mayock.
0: If you're sitting at 17 and a guy who you think is going to go, you know, eight to 10 or 12, somebody who you really like that fits who what you do starts to slide a little bit, you've got to be willing to say, "Are we willing to take the chance to to give up some draft capital to go get a specific guy?"
2: Yeah. Will they give up? Will they give up a second round pick? Why wouldn't they? If they can get the player that they wanted, well, then you would come back and say, "JT." Look, this team's got draft picks for years to come. But, you know, in this system, four years with Carr and Gruden, it's go time. So go move up if you find that player that you need. And I don't think it's an offensive player. So Gus Bradley's got to have a big role in what they're doing here. Mayock talked about right tackle, which is obvious the big need for the silver and black.
0: You asked me about right tackle. Uh, I mean, we've got a guy named Jared Jones-Smith who we signed off the street last week who we we think is a chance to be a really good football player.
2: Well, that's that's nice. That's nice that they signed a guy off the street who could be a good football player, but they have a need at right tackle, and everybody knows that, and I think that Mayock is trying to navigate through those questions. Without tipping his hand, he was asked about the needs over and over again. Here's what he said.
0: You're trying to set yourself up for, in the draft so that you can, uh, you can pl- take the best player you can take, and uh, we're very aware of our needs, and uh, obviously – when the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board, that's awesome. And when they don't, you gotta be a little careful.
2: Bobby, as we go to eight in the free safety availability in this draft, I thought this was important for Mike Mayock because where you're gonna get a safety. I hope the Raiders don't want to get a safety early in the first round because we've seen that happen before and it hasn't worked out. Mike Mayock knows that free safety is a glaring need.
0: I think the free safety position in the draft this year, uh, I think there's some good players through the first three or four rounds. And then after that, uh, I think you got to target some guys that might be corners, might be nickels, be a little bit creative. But, uh, you know, we've grinded this whole defensive back class pretty hard, just like every other position.
2: So that's where we're at. Bobby just told me we just added Charlie Weiss, four-time Super Bowl champion, the man behind the growth of Tom Brady and New England's great championship run, Charlie Weiss, friend of the show. He'll join us a little bit later on. So we're we'll loaded up $50 Grimaldi gift cards. I want to know the exact pick for the Raiders. If you get that pick, we'll get you $50 Grimaldi's gift card if you're in Vegas. Who do the Raiders take? We got a pen and a pad. Bobby's taking down the names here. Who is the exact pick for the Raiders? Number 17 overall. And then I'll, I'll go sit down with the at Grimaldi's. Forget about the Grimaldi gift cards. If the Raiders trade up and get the player you talk about, I'll throw you Grimaldi's party or something. We'll do something really special. Allen in Vegas, start us off. How are you, Allen? What's happening, JT? Um, good, good to I talk about, to you. With that,
0: but the first-round pick, uh, we get Michael Parsons. But I don't mind if we trade up and go get him. I, I know the Giants want him. The Patriots and they can sure use them. But I think we need him. We need a linebacker that imposes fear especially on Patty Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Get that defense rocking. We can, I think we can be okay with without a bona fide right tackle for one year. We can plug in anybody, but let's get this defense
2: rocking. Well, Alan, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if you could just plug in a right tackle, and that's why I'm starting to lean to the point that the Raiders are going to take a right tackle in the draft here in the first round. It's either going to be Slater – Shaw, Jenkins, one of these guys, if they've done their homework on and they believe that he can start. But he better be able to start without limited OTAs and practice and the opportunity to play a lot. And if they're going to take a right tackle and the Raiders are going to do it, I'll be happy with the players because all the homework I've done on the five that I thanks for the call, all the players that I have charted who the Raiders could take, they're not going to get Penny Sewell, and I don't think they're going to get Slater. But if they get Shaw or Jenkins or Tucker in the first round, I think we could celebrate that. I think that everybody at the draft parties will be excited that the Raiders are going to have that starting right tackle. But he better be a starting right tackle. He better not be a developmental player. Micah Parsons, if he comes in and he's available at linebacker, he will start. Someone will be sitting for the Raiders at the linebacker position, and Micah Parsons will be playing because it will be one of the most important defensive draft picks that the Raiders have had in a long time. So there's a lot going on here with the decision that the Raiders need to make. And it's a big decision coming up here. Because last year's draft didn't go well. It could have went a lot better. There were a lot of guys that were taken that when the Raiders took them, and I'm okay with Ruggs. Remember, Ruggs could be here for four or five years. You know, the Raiders have control of Ruggs, and Ruggs is supposed to develop into a Tyreek Hill type of player. So I'm good with that. And Damon Arnett, I thought, was a reach. I thought he was a flat-out reach. And Lynn Bowden was not a good pick. He didn't make the team. So there were a lot of picks last year that I don't think were good fits for this team. But the concept of why Mayock took them made a lot of sense. They would need picks. They were trying to get explosive on offense. They took Ruggs and Bowden in the first three rounds because they wanted to give Carr more weapons. Let me remind you, Carr's got plenty of weapons now. All right, enough with Carr. Carr's got plenty of weapons. He's a hell of a quarterback. He's a top nine quarterback in this league who's got to get to like six or seven. And I believe he's going to do that. He's in the prime of his career. But Derek's got more weapons than he needs. Derek needs a little bit more protection in front of him on the offensive line. And Derek needs some players on defense that can turn the ball over and get him the ball back. And that's what I think is a priority here. And I'm very optimistic. I'm always optimistic going into the draft. I was optimistic all last year because the Raiders were in Vegas. I was optimistic that they were a playoff team the entire year. They started off 6-3. and three. Even at the end of the year when they weren't playing well, they were a playoff team who beat Kansas City and New Orleans. And a lot of good things happened last year. And I like to remind people of that. And I'm very optimistic that the Raiders were so active in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. They have a much better front seven this year than they did last year. So all of that gives me optimism coming into the draft. But what I think the most important thing is, is to make sure that Thursday night, when the commissioner reads the number 17th pick, and it could be earlier, if they move up, that this is a player that's going to be a flat-out beast, a great offensive lineman that will be a bookend to Colt Miller for years to come, or a defensive player that's going to come in and start week one when that schedule comes out and be a Raider for a long time in the likes of Filippiano, Millen, go through all the great players that have played for this organization, Danny Connors, whoever it was who made big plays over the years, let's find that player, let's talk about it, and let's hear it from you, Raider fans, here the next couple of days. We dreamed of an opportunity like this, to have a flagship radio station that cares about the Raiders, not a flagship radio station like up north that wanted to do the beginning of a Raider draft special and then talk about the Warriors for three hours. This is Raiders Radio. Let's act like it. Let's make it sound like it. Let's do this coming into this week, which is going to be a great week here on Raider Nation Radio. The monologue brought to you by Ihole, the new international award-winning ultra-premium tequila. Ihole is from Tequila, Mexico, recognized it's the birthplace of tequila when the Raiders make that 17th pick. Shout out. Ijole. The smooth, easy to drink, straight or on the rocks. Official tequila of the JT The Break Show. Greg Townsend next.
0: I made a comment a couple of months ago about Rugs and about that whole class last year needing to step it up this year and I, I still believe that and, and from Ruggs perspective I mean the sky's the limit for this kid we kind of we knew exactly what he was and that's who he is we, we had no surprises last year in Ruggs now he needs to take it to the level two now the next level up stronger better route runner finish get both feet down all those things and we think he will
2: Mike Mayock on Henry Ruggs III, JT, back with you, brought to you by Bell Solar. Hey, man, if you're looking for a job, there are a lot of people who aren't looking for jobs, unfortunately. That's a different topic. If you're going to get a job, get a big one. Bell Solar is currently hiring sales professionals. If you're interested in applying for a sales position with Bell Solar, call 702-979-1277. Solar is here, and it's here forever. Best company in town to work for, Bell Solar, proud partner of the show. What Mike Mayock said about Henry Ruggs is very accurate. The reason they took him over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb is because they believe what he brings to this offense is an explosive side of what Tyreek Hill brought to Kansas City. And I said that a lot last year, and I can no longer say that until he develops into that type of player. We've seen him flash, but the question is, how hard is he working with Carr in the offseason to be the number one primary receiver? where he wants the ball all the time, and he gets more touches than he expects. Because I'm sorry, Henry Ruggs III, but Darren Waller is the go-to guy on this team now. Waller, who's not a receiver, he's a tight end. And Ruggs is going to have to find that alpha in him to go to Carr and say, no, 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 I'm your number one guy. I'm the guy that you took in the first round. I'm the first Raider drafted in Vegas. Get me the bleeping ball, and I'll get open. He's got a lot to prove especially with all of his former teammates coming out of the draft now, people saying that they're better than him, like Jalen Waddell and obviously Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy. There's pressure on Ruggs this year, and there should be, for him to play at a higher level. 702-365-9200, Raider 914. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hi, JT. How you doing? Love your show. Do- um,
1: I'm going to say a few things, and I'll hang up and listen to what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. Raider Nation needs to to go on YouTube and just watch a couple highlight reels of uh, Cormola and Michael Parsons. Mm -hmm. And if they can't understand how bad this team needs guys like that, then they're not really paying attention. I understand tackle uh, is a big need. But this draft class supposedly is deep on tackles. We need a guy on defense that can fly around the field and make plays all over. These guys can cover. These guys can knock the running back back. These guys can chase down a quarterback. They're faster. They would be the best players on our defense right away. We need guys that can play right away and that can make a difference right away. It's been years. Thanks, JT. Talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on everything you said. They got to find a way to get. They got to find a way to get defensive players that can have an impact. Like our next guest, once a Raider, always a Raider. Super Bowl champion, one of the greatest Raider defensive ends of all time. Great to catch up with Greg Townsend again. Greg, good to talk to you. I hope you're well. How are you? I'm good, JT. How are you
1: doing, my man? I heard you was under
2: the weather. Yeah, I got a little voice problem, but I'm working through it. I need to scream for the first round of the draft, so I needed that I extra you. day. Hey, take me back. You. take me back to your draft and where you went in the fourth round, the 110th pick. Were you surprised by that? With your athleticism and what you did in college, where, where did you think you were going to go and what were your expectations like coming into your draft? Well, first of all, yeah, I thought I was going to be a free
1: agent because I came in as an undersized defensive lineman slash linebacker. Uh, wasn't getting no lot of feedback from anybody. I was going to a lot of combines, a uh, lot of workouts. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had left school at that point at TCU. I left. I was doing all my workouts at UFC. So I got a chance to see my friend Don Mosbar before I knew he was Don Mosbar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, we did all our workouts there. I didn't get no feedback or nothing. So, yes, I was very, very surprised to get the phone call as the 110th player pick. Uh, Dan Connors called me, matter of fact, and asked me, hey, how would you like to be a Raider? we just chose you in the fourth round and that that was the best news i ever heard in my years man because uh like i said i thought i was gonna be a free agent
2: greg what was the key to your development early on what did al davis see and talk about your position coaches where they could find your talent obviously put more weight on you and talk about more of the mentors there that got you up to speed to be a great player early
1: well uh like i said uh, i was undersized defensive
2: end um
1: so when I came in uh, the day before, or a couple of days before the draft, I sat down with Tom Flores, and congratulations to him on his awards for the Hall of Fame. I sat down with Tom Flores, and um, he says uh, my defensive line coach liked what he saw. He said, I gave him the tape, and he saw your takeoff, your kid off on the ball, and he came back to my room five minutes later and said, we want to get that guy. So I guess it was my takeoff that they saw that they wanted to work with. And then when I got to camp, Earl Leggett, who was the master of defensive linemen, uh, you know, he coached some of the best defensive linemen ever. Uh, he he sat down and we we went over some pass rush moves. We went out on the field. We worked on a field. And, man, it was just like peeling bananas. It was just so easy. So once I got on the field and be able to, to go go with the moves live, uh, I, saw my, I saw my future with the Raiders,
2: put it like that. Greg Townsend is our guest. So obviously some Super Bowl champions on that team and some really good players and the Mavericks and the guys who like to party and have a lot of fun. How did you stay under control? What was your life like off the field with all the intensity on the field and the life off the field in Los Angeles with this team? Well, you know I'm an LA
1: boy anyway, yeah. so I understand. I understand about the the party crowd, the scene, and and the nightlife. But for me, it was about being accepted as a Raider. They were a new team down there in Los Angeles at that time in 1983, and I want to be accepted as a Raider. And you know, since some of the great Raiders like the Rod Martins, the Fred, uh, the the, the uh, Cliff Branches, uh, just all the greats, the Lester Hayes. It was just like, I want to be one of these guys. And it became in my third game of that year when I picked up a fumble uh, and ran it back 66 yards on Monday night football. Uh, things started rolling for me after that. Because uh, even the next week after that, I went to Denver and got a safety. And then the weekend after that, and I went to And I got a fumble call against uh, Regans. And it was uh, I believe they hadn't fumbled in two years at that point. So in over 660-some carries, they hadn't fumbled. So I was getting some notoriety just by making plays and becoming one of those Raiders who just making things happen when they get out on the field. And I was, you know, I I thank God for all that because, you know, we weren't getting
2: taught all this stuff. This stuff was just happening as you saw playing football. Greg Townsend is our guest. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Take our audience behind the scenes, the impact that Howie Long had on you, your life, and as a football player, and off the field.
1: Well, Howie, Howie was actually my, uh, was my nemesis, if you would say. I compared my game to him because I wanted to always outplay him. But it was the Reggie Kinlaws, the ones who grabbed yeah. me under their wing and uh, showed me how to be a pro, how to come to work every day, how to put in the hard work, how to set my mouth, how to uh, uh, just do what I'm told per se, and just be just become good at it, at it, and let my game speak for itself. So uh, again, it was Reggie teaching me and showing me, and then there was Howie, who was who was the one who I wanted to p- compare my game to. So that's how you I played this game, along with playing my comparing my game to other defensive ends as well. But
2: he was one of them. Yeah, that's really interesting to me Greg because you had a great career and it's you know sometimes defensive players are comparing themselves to players in the league on other teams. It's Lawrence Taylor, it's Reggie White, currently it's JJ Watt. You had a guy Reggie Kinlaw's name comes up all the time. All the time when I'm around You know, guys like you and the legends talking about the impact and the double team and how he was able to just do his job. And he was a great teammate. But then to the guy that you're looking at on the other side and Howie Long, knowing you wanted to be better than him, and you're traveling with him and you're in the hotel with him, you're at practice with him, you're able to see the player that you want to be every day. That's special. Yeah, it is special. And, again, again, that's why you
1: congratulate the the great coach of Vera Leggett because he had to deal with both of us, and not only just both of us, he had a lot of talent on that defensive line. Uh, now, again, you're right. I get to see how he see how he trains, see how he prepares. I get to see how he uh, approaches the game, how he approaches uh, uh, opponents. And, and, and it was that type of deal that set me off to do my own thing. So once I and, – and, 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 again, uh, uh, I always believed there was two ways of – skin a cat, so if he was going to study all night, I was going to party all night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if he was studying, I think, why, why need both of us studying, right? <laughs> what about let what, one of oh. us go? Let's let's one of us go out there with this kind of mind frame that we can dissect them, and let's the other one go out there with the mind frame. Let's go out there reckless and abandoned with some mm. discipline.
2: Share a good Lyle Alzeo story with us if you have one. I'm sure you got thirty of them. Give us a good you one. You know I,
1: you know I do, you know I do. Well, I tell you, uh, it was the one that I uh, I remember getting up early in the morning. I mean not early in the morning, but we got up to have our pregame meal, and I said good morning to Lyle, and and he said good morning back, and he says how you feel, Greg, and I, you know, all this stuff is catching me off guard because Lyle don't talk like this. <laughs> And he says, I noticed you got a good night's sleep. I was like, how do you notice? Well, one, he saw a young lady coming out of my room. <laughs> and the next, he said, you still got the pillow mark on your face. <laughs> so I know you slept hard. <laughs> he said, so I know you're going to play hard. <laughs> and it was actually that uh, New Year's game that we played, our playoff game against the uh, um, uh Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow! And if you recall, if you recall, Lal had two sacks in that game, and so did I, because there I was again, a, a young pup comparing my game to somebody that knew what the game was all about.
2: Wrapping and it up, just, a great it, it was just
1: encouraging, and it was encouraging for an older guy like Lao to not uh, reprimand me for having a young lady leave in my room at that night at
2: that time of night. I got you. I (laughs) got you. Who's the greatest quarterback you've ever gone up against on a consistent basis?
1: It has to be John Elway. John John
2: Elway, you know, he came out the same year I did.
1: He played on the Denver Broncos, so they were in our division. So he was another one. Again, this is how I played this game. I knew this guy was a number one pick. I knew this guy was very talented. He was drafted even in baseball. So it was. It came down to be if I could just get this guy on the ground. Maybe this is why the Raiders drafted me in the first place—to chase a guy like this. And, and and you know, I average I average about two sacks a game against him. So I got I got in a total of wow. 45 sacks against John Elway. So again, he brought out my A
2: game. Not neither neither less to say. Wait a second. You're in the 100-sack club. You had over 100 sacks, and Elway was the guy you got to the most. Yes. That's something. He was the
1: guy. He was the guy I got it up for. I really did. When we played against Denver home in a way, and, of course, our fans got up for that game because either one we went to, it was a sellout. And I love that. I love that when the crowd is there can watch me play.
2: Wrapping it up with Greg Townsend. Uh, Greg, quickly, I wanted to ask you about this team now. They brought in Gus Bradley to be the defensive coordinator. Gruden has the offense pretty dialed in. They got the 17th pick in the draft, and and they just need a player. They brought in Yannick Ngakwe, the edge rusher. I think he's one of the premier edge rushers in the league, along with Max Crosby, who I'm sure you're going to be getting to know over the years here in Vegas. But when you think of the Raiders now, to get over the hump here in Vegas, and to do it defensively, what's the key recommendation you would make? We don't know who the player is going to be, but how can the Raiders turn this defense around and be dominant like the defense you played on?
1: I'll tell you, I've heard a few interviews from Gus Bradley, and I like what I hear. He's talking about developing these guys fast, you know, and getting them to play fast, and uh, taking a lot of stuff out, uh, like blitzes, to just let them play one-on-ones. And, uh, yeah, I like what he have done so far with the uh, D-line. Uh, they, him and Mike Mayock have made some good uh, contributions to the, to the D-line to see if these guys that, that used to be with other teams can now mature to now be, 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 be with a winning program. Um, so what it would take is just like Gus would say, these guys need to develop fast. Uh, and get this game to where they plan this game from a, a defensive point of view to complement our offense. Our offense is clicking on all cylinders. You ask me. I mean they scoring enough points that when you go out there on defense, it allows you to kind of play a little free it don 't allow you to to play uh, base and, and and just drink. It just allows you to play free. So I like to see the guys play like Gus wants them to play fast. And develop. I mean, just develop. Get reps. Get real reps to where they they gain tempo to where you can get that. So, And I would like to try to help that ball club any kind of way I can. I know they need a, a big pass rush, and I'm able to do that. I still train guys for pass rushing. So I would like Gus and I to sit down and talk about this type of deal because I think I can get them guys going myself.
2: Well, I love the fact you said that. You know, Coach Gruden loves to have the alumni around and the players who built this entire program. And I'm I'm going to send this, and the Raiders will get this to Gus Bradley immediately as we wrap this up. Finally, Greg, what's your relationship like with Mark Davis, and what do you think about everything that's happening here in Vegas? Well, you know, Mark and I go back from 1983,
1: so we've been we've been knowing each other and knowing of each other since that time. Uh, I know Mark wants to uh, win badly, and so he got his team in a new, new town like Vegas, uh, a place where everybody would love to come. Whether whether they are Raider fan or not, they would love to come see the opponent play. Even they, that's a city they love to come. And I just love to see Mark make a his mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended, in Las Vegas because that's a really good town to make your mark in, and. And now I'm just rooting for him. I love the guy, and uh, I know he loved the Raiders as much as most of us do that played, so uh, we just wish him all the best.
2: Awesome, Greg. Great to see you. I hope to see a bunch this year. The stadium opening up, fans coming out, and you're a big part of the history of this team. And my phone's blowing up. I'm getting texts from Cisco in the Black Hole. All my Black Hole guys are, like, giving me thumbs up. That's our guy. That's our guy. Awesome. So awesome. hopefully we see yeah. you out here soon. Be well. Thanks for coming on. You well, JT, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank Bobby. you. You got it. Thank you. There he is. What a nice guy. Greg Townsend, appreciate him coming on. We had to push him back from yesterday and get him in today, and he couldn't have been a better gentleman about it. What a player he was. And, again, underrated because he played with Howie Long, Al Zedo, the great players that he played with around this league. I had no idea he sacked Elway that many times. But that's Elway's all-time biggest nemesis. He got John Elway, I think he said, 45 times with all the sacks that he had. That is special in the rivalry. And that's a big rivalry, the Broncos, going up against the Raiders and Townsend. Greg Townsend, again, everywhere the Raiders are at. when up in Napa, Vegas, charity work. There you go. You see the big guy right there with a big smile signing autographs. One hell of a player. Man, if the Raiders could get guys playing as hard as him on that defensive line, they'll be in a great spot. Thanks to Greg Townsend as we continue on. Charlie Weiss. The former great offensive line will join us in a little bit on Raider Nation Radio.
3: I do go to my kids' soccer games. Every single person, whether it's a a ref, an umpire, um, another parent. Everyone has a strong opinion. Um, and then most people let me know. Every one of my friends, um, trust me, most of them are just text my wife now because they know they don't get a response back. But that's a part of life.
2: It's Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers. Looks like the Niners are going to take Mac Jones at number three. What I find interesting is I go on a lot of uh, my other friends' draft shows. So this week I'm going on a show in Baltimore, I'm going on a show in Jupiter, Florida. I'm going on a show in Dallas. And they do these things on local radio shows where they have someone from the city make the pick. So I'll be making the Raiders' 17th pick, but they got to tell me who's left on the board. So if Micah Parsons is on the board, I'll take Micah Parsons. You know how that goes. You hear that on a lot of these shows over the years. So I'm going to be doing that the rest of the week. When it comes to the Niners, a lot of people know that's the beginning of the draft. The beginning of the draft is the Niners at three, because after after Zach Wilson goes, the quarterback from BYU to the Jets, then the Niners could go Justin Fields. They're probably going to go Mac Jones. That means Justin Fields drops, and what does Atlanta do at number four? Most drafts have them taking the tight end, Kyle Pitts, who gets compared to Darren Waller all the time, and then how far is Justin Fields going to drop? It's amazing. You know, Derek Carr's gotten a lot of heat over the years. Is he going to be the quarterback? The one year where there are a lot of quarterbacks that the Raiders could go after, Carr looks as secure as he's ever looked in the number four jersey for the silver and black. Funny how that plays out with the media, huh? One hour up, one more to go. Brought to you by PT's JT.